Hello and welcome to episode 67 of the Retro Game Time Machine podcast. This week, time travelers, we're having a chat about Klonoa, Door to Phantom Isle, and going back to 1998. At the time of recording, it is February the 10th, 2023. I am Ashton Newton, and joining me through a series of tubes is my co-host, Andy the Android. Hello. How, how was uh, things over yonder? in through those tubes. <laughs> yeah, things things are things are good. I, I'm in a weirdly good mood right now for some reason. I don't I don't know what it is. Maybe just jazzed because uh it's the weekend, maybe. Did you Not eat mid-week. spicy food? Did I eat spicy food? Yeah. Um, no, I I passed on spicy food today. I I ordered a chicken sandwich for lunch. I almost got the spicy, but <sighs> for some reason I was like, eh, whatever. It doesn't <laughs> Well, the reason I ask is I have I have actually noticed in the past like two months, whenever I get my pad kimao from like the like whichever Thai place I'm going to get it from, right? Because um, now I have a new place that I like that I already told you about. Yes. But so whenever I do that lately, I've been getting it Thai spicy, which Ooh. has been amazing because yeah. I didn't realize this so. This, this happened, and sorry for this quick diversion, everybody. Um, but I remember going and getting Thai food for lunch with an old coworker and getting the like getting that dish, Thai spicy, and then walking back to work. So this was like a few years ago. But I was just like, I feel incredible right now. I'm like, <laughs> what is it about this dish? And then every time that I've had it, I'm just like, I feel like a million bucks. What's going on? And I thought, like, is it I'm like, is it the rice noodles? Is it all the veggies? Is it is it the pork? I don't know. No, it's the spice. I didn't realize that it's actually a thing to get the equivalent of like a runner's high from spicy food. Oh, okay. I I could definitely see that. And I think uh, you know, there's I think there are a lot of I eat spicy food almost every day, but never pretty pretty rarely do I go like really spicy, like push my limits. Oh man. Um, I love pushing the limits. <laughs> I, I have to I have to go to particular places. You know, your average spicy, like like pick the spiciest chicken sandwich that you can oh, get at a fast nothing. food restaurant. That's, that's nothing. nothing. Yeah, exactly. That doesn't yeah, register. It's <laughs> just like a little pepper on it, you know. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah, it tastes good. But um yeah, know, jalapenos so, aren't hot anymore. I'm just like, yeah. what's going on? <laughs> yeah, like like when I get pho, they usually give you a few jalapeno slices, and I wasn't putting them in, and I'm like, why am I not? These are like bell pepper. Like, yeah, <laughs> just basically, I just eat them. <laughs> so, um, but I think that there's a lot of benefits to spicy food, and I bet it's circulation related. Um, well, so. I, I get, I, I guess from what I've read, it's like. Because you're technically experiencing some level of pain, your body is releasing endorphins. Okay. So then you feel really good. So I'm like, I'm going to eat spite, like really spicy food every day. (laughs) (laughs) Take that depression. (laughs) Yeah. Morphine (laughs) administered. Uh, Anyway, now I can't remember why I started, like why I intervened with the... Oh, because you said you were feeling oddly, oddly good today. Well, good. I did some yoga yesterday and that was like, I felt like a wet rag that had just been like wrung out and I felt like so much like looser and felt better. So nice. maybe that's something to do with it. My, sh- <laughs> I, I guess I haven't been exercising because my arms are so sore oh, from yeah. <laughs> doing downward dog and all that stuff. Like, man, it's, I, I guess I've been taking some time off 
from exercise, but we're going to get back into it. Yeah, same. Actually, my partner and I just went to the gym for the first time in a while uh, yesterday as well. So Wow. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, it was nice. Moving around, (laughs) doing stuff outside of my house. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, What else... What else is new in Mash's world? I think I see you got some notes on here. Yeah, real quick. I just want to say I'm really excited about my my new Mac that's coming. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just before we started recording, I was like, I can't wait until I get to take this jet engine of a MacBook Pro off my desk while we record. <laughs> yeah, looking looking forward to having something a lot quieter. Um, so yeah, stoked for that. That should hopefully be here. I think mid next week. And uh, also last weekend, got to play some music with two friends of the show, uh, Gerald RX40 and Tingus Bobingus. Yeah, those 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 people those are people I know. I like them. They are people that you are familiar with. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was a lot of fun. You know, I I didn't really know what to expect because the three of us had never jammed before, and I, I hosted a Jamulus server. Got to play drums. Tingus is primarily like. I was going to say by trade. <laughs> well, yeah. whatever. He is a drummer as far as like musicians go um, as his primary like instrument. Mm-hmm. But he was not playing that because I was playing the drums and also his drums are in his house right now. Um, so he was playing, he was going, you know, back and forth between some guitar and some bass. And then uh, Mr. RX40 was playing guitar. And it was, uh, it was really, really fun. So I, I've been playing less games and playing a bit more music, um, but I've still been playing games, which I'll be happy to talk about later and really excited to talk about Klonoa because, uh, spoilers, it was fun. And there were some things that I didn't expect from the game. Like, I really, like, there are a couple things that just totally took me by surprise that I'm, I'm looking forward to talking about. So anyway. Same, same. That's that's all my my stuff. Anything else with you, uh, or should we talk about the news? Um, I just you know I, I I was like okay how am I doing and then my thoughts immediately went to the weather because apparently the weather oh, affects me okay. quite a bit. That's right. We didn't talk <laughs> about what we talked about spicy food, but no weather. <laughs> yeah, so I guess we'll get a two for one. But we've been having some really nice mornings. Like it, we're we're peeking into what I call like the perfect weather where we get like. In the morning, instead of it being 40 degrees Fahrenheit, it's like 47, 48. So I've been in clear skies and sun shining. It doesn't feel like 48. It feels like 58 outside. Um, but you, anyway, just like I don't have to wear gloves out there to walk my dogs. So I can just bask in the, the sunlight and it's been making me ride my bike more. Um, but we got a little bit of rain today, just like a little dusting of rain. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it just kind of came by and just... I mean, it's like I went inside and I came back outside and everything was kind of wet, kind of damp. <laughs> and that was it. We might get some more tomorrow. So, and, uh, tomorrow, another thing is, uh, I'm going to be trying out this, uh, restaurant. Uh, it's a, it's a hot pot restaurant. Okay. I'm to go with some, uh, coworker friends and, nice. uh, supposedly they have a bar you can sit at and you know how like sushi boat, they have little boats that come by and you yeah. pick what you want. It's like that for, but for hot pot, instead of boats, it's a conveyor belt that comes okay. around <laughs> and you pick up things. And I, I presume that they charge you based on the things that you pick up or maybe. Yeah. Not, so. I mean, it, it's probably like, 
uh, a, a plate is a specific dollar amount. At least I think yeah, that's so the way it was when I did that in Japan the one time I did that. I've kind of always wanted to do that because I like, you know, I don't know. I just like trying a little bit of everything. So I imagine that the portions are kind of small and you just sort of stack them up and then they charge you based on the plates that you used. Nice. So um, anyway, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Wish me luck. <laughs> Good luck. Um, Good luck. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I, uh, I feel encouraged. You're becoming more like your father. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Peppy. <laughs> uh, anyway, okay. Is that is that everything? <laughs> I think that's everything. All right. Uh, let's talk about some news. So, Game Boy and Game Boy Advance games come to the Nintendo Switch. Uh, as says this Game Informer article, and as I have seen with my own eyeballs from the <laughs> Nintendo Switch eShop, because uh, I downloaded them. Nintendo did the sneaky thing, and I finally decided to pay for the Nintendo Switch Online Plus Expansion Pack. I was already playing, like, already paying for online, so I would have gotten the Game Boy games anyway, but... The Game Boy Advance, in addition to the N64, in addition to the Genesis stuff that's there, they got me. Yeah, and if I think the rumors tripped me up because I was pretty sure that this already happened, but <laughs> no. So this was, was being mistaken. this was being rumored, and then they dropped like N64 and Genesis at the same time. Oh, it was okay. like Game Boy and Game Boy Advance are coming, and Nintendo's like, "Shut up! It's N64 and Genesis." <laughs> wow. I think I think that was yeah. the timing of everything. Something something like that, and there was uh, entries rumored. They're like, okay, Game Boy's coming, and then but also Game Boy Advance, or maybe just Game Boy Advance. Uh, so, um, yeah, I wish there were a few more Game Boy Advance games, but at the same time, the ones that are here are pretty dang good. Yeah, it's it's. I'm sure they they might add more. Oh, right? I, I think like, you know. I think they. I think in the uh, Nintendo Direct, they did say or show games that are going to be coming oh, like okay. after at some point. Oh, it, um, it, right here. We got, um, so games arriving in the future are, include oh, Metroid yes, Fusion, right. yes. Kirby and the Amazing Mirror, Fire Emblem, F-Zero Maximum Velocity, and Golden Sun. Yeah, Metroid Fusion is great. Yeah, that's that's a pretty good list. Um, I'm hoping for Metroid Zero Mission. I think that would be cool. But they do have Kuru Kuru Kuruin already. So, uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, who could forget? No, it, so <laughs> it's funny. I've, I've only heard of that game uh, before this from Phil Theobald of the Player One podcast. I know that oh. he likes Kuru Kuru Kuruin. Huh. Yeah, I've, I've never heard of it. So. Um, but really like, honestly, one of the things that I'm the most excited for in all of this is Game Boy Tetris. Oh yeah. Yeah. I I was, (laughs) I saw that on game, you know, Game Boy Tetris on there. I'm like, because they had to like, (laughs) I mean, it's like the potentially the best game on the Game Boy. Yeah. And it's, it's funny because you could look at each one of the, um, services and uh, or like all the console categories and they pretty much always all of them have a tetris game if not like a puyo puyo game <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> true is, 
So it's you can yeah. Isn't, you I think there's Tetris. Tetris Attack on uh, the SNES mm-hmm. part of this. Uh, anyway, I was but, thinking of um, on the N64. They got I, I think they got that Pokemon uh, Puzzle League puzzle. Do, like, do they have Tetrisphere? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Uh, and then um, maybe. Uh, Dr. Robotnik's Mean mean Bean Machine. Oh, on, yeah. On, yeah. On Genesis. I'm pretty so. sure that's there. Yeah. But I yeah, like also WarioWare Inc. My, or Mega Micro Games, the first WarioWare game, the one that's on Game Boy Advance. Oh, my God. Mm. So good. Yeah. I really, really want to try that. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's right. You haven't played it. Yeah, that's what got nothing. That's what got me started on the WarioWare games. It's magnificent. <laughs> Yeah, and um, I one thing I wanted to mention before I forget is that we've got Game Boy and Game Boy Color games in there. Oh, um, yeah. So the original Game Boy games kind of, they sort of emulate that screen by, uh, you know, giving you the green green and... Yeah, so they, they actually said it, there are three different modes. There's the Game Boy mode, which is like the green scale. There's uh-huh. the Game Boy Pocket screen, which is Ooh. a more like grayish, whitish kind of background. Yeah. Or you can also play with the Game Boy Color palette for the Game Boy games as well. Nice. Okay, that's really cool. Nice. I, <laughs> I, I personally <laughs> don't like the green, <laughs> green scale. I have, no, uh, <laughs> I have no nostalgia oh, for it. I absolutely um, do. I mean, I could, I could see playing something like Super Mario Land on it because I, I think I did play Super Mario Land that way. Um, on the original Game Boy or even Tetris, but if, for the most part, I mean, color is just so much better <laughs> in my opinion. So, um, even even if you're talking about Pokemon Red and Blue that are like emulating like yeah. a color palette, they're not. It's not really a Game Boy Color game. So, uh, that would be interesting. That would be interesting to play Pokemon Red and Blue in original Game Boy mode. Well, be. they surely will not add it to this service. <laughs> That's right. There's That's right. no way that you're going to get Pokemon without like paying more for it. I know that Pokemon Snap is on the N64 one, but I'm yeah. I'm meaning like mainline Pokemon game. There's no way. And red, blue, and yellow are on the, the 3DS, but you have to pay for them. So Yeah. Man, they should create like a physical like... Pokemon Red, Blue, and Yellow collection, like, and put it on the Switch, and it's just a ROM dump. <laughs> People pay sixty bucks for that, surely. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that might be a little steep, but um, you know, they'd be really mad about it, but they'd do it. <laughs> like, dang it, Nintendo and Pokemon Company, I hate you. This is awful. Yeah, that's but me. Take my money. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but just know I'm upset about it. <laughs> anyway, that's all I got. Uh, okay. Uh, well, something to be, you know, not mad about because it doesn't have a $60 price tag. That's right. Uh, Metroid Prime Remaster is real <laughs> and it's out today, uh, according to this Game Informer article. Yes, and by today, we mean February 8th, which is the yeah. past for you, listener, and it's the past for us, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Agreed. Um, so this is cool. It's a $40 release, and it's sort of, it's it's a remaster, like new assets, new graphics. Uh, 
60 frames. I know you like those 60 frames. Yeah. In handheld and in docked. So some of these announcements like that we saw from the Nintendo Direct, um, these are really making me considering dusting off my Switch and uh, playing it again. Um, so I was talking with you. I want to invest in maybe another control scheme, like some alternative Joy-Cons that yes. might give me a more Steam Deck-like experience because I'm just so spoiled by those big joysticks, you know? Like, <laughs> if I went back to the Joy-Cons, I think I would just feel immediately sad, like, playing it. Yeah. Um, and uh, there's a... I was talking with my friend, uh, Tony, the creator. He was saying that he uses his Pro Controller. He just props up his... Um, switch wherever he is and brings out the pro controller and I with dogs in the house that scares me because I feel like they're just going to walk by and knock that flimsy little uh, kickstand off and it's going to go flying could but. be could be like people that I've seen that use those like flexible arm things that are like phone mounts and then yeah. like hold the switch right in front of you yeah I have one of those oh there that you go um, so I just gotta yeah figure out where to, where to put that, but (laughs) where to stick it to, (laughs) where to stick it to. Yeah, exactly. Um, so anyway, I think this is cool. Uh, I really, I've never played Metroid prime. Same. I hadn't gone through it. They, they've really, they've talked about how the control scheme is updated. And Mm -hmm. I was like, they're like, now you can use two sticks. And I was like, wait, you couldn't, yeah. You could wait. How do you have a 3D first person game that where you have two sticks on your controller? <laughs> yeah. But you don't actually use it for that? Like I think how it worked if I and, and again this could be totally wrong, but yeah, I, I have think no idea. It's sort of like GoldenEye controls, but what the C stick does is when you lock onto a target, you use the C stick to like switch between enemies um, with your lock on. Oh. So I, I think that's how it worked. Uh, it might have also done some camera. I don't know. It wouldn't have done camera. It's first person. So yeah. How do you turn around mm. in that game on the game? Yeah, I figure you would just go left and right like GoldenEye. You know, I guess so. That would be very disorienting. Yeah, but I I think that that stuff they if there's a there's a prime hacks hack for the Steam Deck. I, th- I think that it fixes that stuff. I think <laughs> and maybe even enables gyro controls. But um, but because this is a remaster and it's not a full price game, this is more tempting. You know, and it looks usually, good. Yeah. And usually my barometer is, you know, for this and I've stolen this off other people, uh, probably namely King K off of YouTube. Uh, you got to kind of look at what does emulation do versus this release? Like can emulate is emulation the better version or not? And I, th- I think in this, it's probably decidedly not. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it seems pretty good, but I would be curious to see what the like steam deck version is like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. One day. All right. Anything else about Metroid Prime? No, that's all I got. All right. Well, uh, according to this Polygon article, this is going to sound kind of familiar if you've been listening to all the episodes. 
Uh, NASCAR officially bans driver's GameCube-inspired wall ride stunt. So a number of episodes ago, I know we talked about this, where this guy won a NASCAR race by just riding the riding the wall around a corner as fast as he could, just like <laughs> gunned it, riding, scraping against the wall, and won the race. Yeah, and inspired by playing NASCAR on his GameCube yeah. as a kid. <laughs> as you do. Um, so he was like, oh man, I wonder if this will work. And it did. Um, but, but now it will incur a penalty. So yeah, there's a, uh, there's a quote here from Elton Sawyer, NASCAR's chief or chief competition executive. It is basically, if there's an act we feel that compromises the safety of our competitors, officials, spectators, we're going to take that seriously and we will penalize for that act going forward. Makes sense, I guess. <laughs> like, you know, it's it's fun that it was a one-off, but I guess when you look at it from that standpoint and you're scraping against a wall, going however fast you're going, and you're doing it intentionally, <laughs> yeah, that could lead to a bad time for you or other people. Yeah, definitely. Um, it, it, and to me, it kind of goes against the spirit of the race and... You know, we all felt like we were cheating if we did that in a video game, right? Like, no way, man. That's <laughs> how you we cheese the AI. <laughs> yeah, I suppose so. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm I'm glad that they have official rules so that the whole race doesn't become like a demolition derby. Yeah, or yeah. maybe it should. Uh, maybe that'd be kind of <laughs> awesome. That would spice things up a bit, right? So, uh, Speaking of demolition derby, that was a really fun game. Yeah, I yeah, I miss those games. Um, oh, I should I should fire up Wreckfest. That's another one. Oh Modern yeah, oh man, dude, Wreckfest is so good. Yeah, I really love the music. But anything else for uh, the NASCAR fans out there? No, <laughs> I I mean I I understand their call as a safety measure, but you know the gamer in me is upset. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, it's it's funny because life story imitates itself, art, imitates life. <laughs> the story itself is only loosely related to gaming. Yeah, games. I just think that's funny, though. Yeah, like, I love <laughs> that it. we're talking about it. <laughs> Bands GameCube inspired wall ride stunt. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> um. So we have an update for the Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom pricing. And speaking uh, of being mad at Nintendo for wanting more <laughs> money for something, but we're going to pay it anyway. Yeah. You, you remember <laughs> that money you saved on, on Metroid prime, <laughs> well, you know, remastered? spending it on Zelda. <laughs> yeah. You're going to spend it on Zelda instead. Exactly. So, so it says here on this game informer article on the reasoning for the $69.99 price tag for legend of Zelda tears of the kingdom. Uh, Nintendo said, we determined the suggested retail price for any Nintendo product on a case-by-case -case basis. <laughs> and I love the next one is, on if this trend for Nintendo title, or on if this is a trend for Nintendo titles going forward, no, we determine the suggested retail price for any <laughs> Nintendo product on a case-by-case -case basis. <laughs> so it could be, a, I mean... Nintendo, did you kill that man? No. We determine the suggested retail price for any <laughs> Nintendo product 
<laughs> on a case by case basis. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, oh man. Did th- this is oh god, this I, I just have to mention this is really silly, but um did you hear about the object that the um military shot down yesterday <laughs> over Alaska? Was this another balloon? It's so a similar situation. Okay. But the um, representative from the Pentagon basically said like, Hey, so is this, you know, why did you shoot this down and not the other balloon that went across the country? And they said, uh, we, um, take each one of these situations by a case by case basis and make a assessment. And we determined that this was a threat. And we determined <laughs> the suggested retail price for any Nintendo product on a case by case basis. Yeah, thank it, you. Exactly. <laughs> it's silly. So they, they don't. They're not saying what it is, or if it was a balloon from China, or what. But anyway, um, but uh, back. To I don't think I caught that. But now something. Now something that was talked about during my workday makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Apparently, I am running behind on the news. Yeah. I, well, I got this update via, via text message from Tony, the creator. So. Ah, okay. Yeah, <laughs> I would have been right there with you. So yeah, this is, I mean, uh, video games are probably going to start getting more expensive. I mean, everything is getting more expensive. And to be fair, I remember paying $85 for Turok Dinosaur Hunter (laughs) before even paying for a memory card that was mandatory to save the game. Yeah. It's kind of like computers and video games for some reason they've kind of battled inflation in a lot of ways like yeah and i say computers because apple has charged like a thousand dollars for their entry-level laptop for the last two decades or something like that yeah that's true (laughs) i mean that 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 is like all things considered that is pretty amazing especially the like the cost of video games have basically been the same since we were kids yeah. So, yeah, and, exactly. and the budgets have only gotten bigger. I mean, to be fair, the player base has only gotten bigger. So they can they can make more money on the volume of sales. But at the same time, like, I get it. I don't want to pay more money for video games. I understand, though, why they would want to raise their prices because, er- like, literally everything else is more expensive. It just sucks because as everything else gets more expensive, well, then everything else is just more expensive. Yeah. And, you know, your money doesn't go that far. It sucks. You have to buy less video games or buy them on sale. That's true. Um, So I'm wondering with the price increase, if this one might drop in price faster than other titles. Um, Um, It's a Nintendo game. What do you mean drop in price? Yeah, I know. (laughs) But because of its higher price, I just wonder if there's a little more volatility for that to, for a used price to come down this is probably nintendo's way of trying to force people to buy those vouchers Mm. because you can get like two game vouchers right now for a hundred bucks for digital games from nintendo you can get you can use one of those vouchers for tears of the kingdom oh okay so you can basically get it for 50 bucks and i think that's probably what i'm going to do we'll see i think that's a good idea i've been buying a lot of my switch games um physically but there if i had one regret i mean i like owning um breath of the wild on a cartridge yeah but with the frequency that that game loads like every time you seemingly do anything involving the menus or fast traveling um 
It's actually faster if it's on the internal memory. It shaves off a second every load, which adds up. Yeah. Um, because like if you play for a couple hours, you could save a whole minute, <laughs> you yeah. know, of time. So I don't know. Um, you could you could cook a few more meals in the game <laughs> in that amount of time. Yeah. Yeah, so I'll, I'll look at that game voucher thing. I, I didn't really, I didn't realize on that. Though. Yeah, I think you need to be a Nintendo Switch Online subscriber, just in general, not not with expansion pass or ex- okay. expansion pack, I guess. I'm one of those. Yeah. So Sounds good. But yeah, not a bad deal. They've done it before. I didn't take advantage of it before because I have been largely getting all my, my Switch games physical, but mm-hmm. I need to stop doing that. I only have so much space, so I'm trying to phase that out. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, Switch is the only new console that I get physical games for, and I should back off. They're they're smaller, though. They're little, little mini. I know, but still, <laughs> the, the cases take up shelf space, and anyway. All right. Uh, I guess, aside from the price of everything, I am excited for Tears of the Kingdom. It's coming out May the 12th, I think, of this year, 2023. Yeah, we got a new Zelda game, so very exciting. Yeah, I man, I don't know if I'm ready. <laughs> I know it's like now I'm like I've been I've been playing a lot of single player stuff, so I'm like, okay, what do I need to get out of the way before Zelda comes out, and then I don't touch whatever it is for quite a while. Because mm. I think if it's anything like what Breath of the Wild did to me, I'll I'll be on it for a while. <laughs> we won't see you for a while. <laughs> yeah, I'll just be having I'll, my my switch will be glued to my hands, basically. <laughs> All right, anything else with the news? Are we good? Shall we do it? Shall we talk about Klonoa? Shall we go back in I'm time? Excited. Yes, please. All right, <laughs> let's get in that time machine. And we have arrived. It is March the tenth. The year is nineteen ninety eight. And on that, who knows? It's a disc man. It's a radio. I don't know. It's it's a little it's a little boombox with a CD player attachment. There we go. Uh, go. The number one song that is playing today is "Getting Jiggy with It" from Will Smith. It it might be Will Smith's best song. Uh yeah, probably. I mean, Men in Black was pretty good, but I think this. Ooh, Miami's pretty good too. But uh, I but I yeah. think "Getting Jiggy with It's probably better. At least, yeah. I don't know. Bienvenido a Miami. <laughs> <laughs> Big Willie style. Yeah, all right. Um, all right, well, now that that song is wrapping up on the same music-playing device is this little ditty. Maybe you've heard of it. It's called My Heart Will Go On from Celine Dion. Oh, Did you this- know that this song is in the soundtrack for the movie Titanic? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, th- I, th- I thought that that was the only uh, like album it was on. <laughs> I don't think it, I didn't think if it was a like a, it, it probably is. I was just being silly. <laughs> yeah, man, um, this song took over. You could not escape this song. <laughs> I guess until getting jiggy with it came out, there was no I, escaping. I that, My heart will go on. I love that it's a meme now too. You know, it's like. I don't know. It's just like, (laughs) 
So good. It's everywhere. All right. Well, now that's wrapped up. Other things that were happening this month in March of 1998. March the 6th, British Union flag begins to be flown full mast over Buckingham Palace whenever British monarch not in residence following change wait following change of protocol after the death of Diana princess of Wales man i started laughing during saying that that's terrible I, it wasn't about her her death it was the wording or yeah. odd wording of me copying and pasting this anyway sad uh, sad time um march the 9th dr dre's aftermath entertainment signs the unknown rapper eminem i wonder how he's going to do Uh, March 14th, Sega announces the discontinuation of the Sega Saturn in North America to prepare for the launch of its successor, the Dreamcast. That was very short-lived. That was Mm -hmm. like, dang, that was really short. It feels like so much longer, like living during the time, it felt like the Saturn was out for ages, and it was like four years, maybe. I mean, it's kind of like we were listening to that episode of Back in My Play recently. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'm doing the host a favor here. I'm talking about the podcast that I listened to. That's, you know, that's what he asked. You know, we talk about it if that's we want right. to support the Kevin show. Kevin Larrabee of Back in My Play. They finally had a new episode about Goldeneye, which uh, which was a great conversation with between him and John Lindemann and Mike Micah. Yeah, and John Lindemann had said... Um, you know, the time was kind of weird because Goldeneye came out and then like, you know, a year, a year and a half, two years later, the Dreamcast came out like, or the year, yeah. two years in America, one year in Japan. Yeah. Like, it's just like a weird time warp during that time. Seems like a long period of time, but it was actually a very short period. Of yeah. Time. I mean, there, there just was so much, I don't know. There was so much, like, so much happened in video games in the 90s as far as, like, console hardware and, like, the beginning of the 90s, you've got firmly just 2D. And by the end of it, you're, like, full 3D crazy environments and, like, dual control sticks and, uh, well, wait, is that a thing by the end of the 90s? Not quite. Early 2000s is when that the two control mm-hmm. sticks find. Wait, no, there was dual analog on the PlayStation. Yeah, I was gonna Never say, mind. The DualShock was released at some oh. point. I, I just figured it was in 2000 or 99 or very late. Uh, um, yeah, I, I got one of those for my birthday or Christmas or something. Anyway, mm. all right, <laughs> major digression about uh, Sega Saturn. Anyway. Uh, March 27th, Chicago Bulls versus the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, matchup at Georgia Dome in Atlanta draws a crowd of 62,046 people, the largest in any game in NBA history. Uh, the Bulls win 89-74. to oh, And I have to – that was record was recently broken. Oh. Um, just as of a, like this year. Oh, wow. So kinda... Okay. Long standing then. Yeah, the, um, the Warriors played – uh, go Warriors. Um, the San Antonio Spurs, uh, just like a month ago in the Alamo Dome, and I think there was like 68,000 people oh, there, something like that. Yeah, all right. Uh, March 29th, WrestleMania 14 at the Fleet Center in Boston, Massachusetts. Stone Cold Steve Austin wins his first WWF heavyweight title against Shawn Michaels. 
Movies released this month include Meet the Deedles, Primary Colors, Wild Things, Mr. Nice Guy, Fern Gully 2, The Magical Rescue, Chairman of the Board, The Man in the Iron Mask, U.S. Marshals, and The Big Lebowski. Music albums released this month include Moment of Truth from Gangstar, Virtual Eleven from Iron Maiden, Third Eye Vision from Hieroglyphics, Feeling Strangely Fine from Semisonic, All the Pain Money Can Buy from Fastball, the, uh, the State from Nickelback, The Truth from Prince, Media from The Faint, Self-Titled Album from Sync, and Ray of Light from Madonna. This is like a very, like I have a lot of memories from this specific time period in my life. Mm. Um, all of that music, <laughs> well, not all of, a lot of that music like was on the radio. Anyway, it's a nostalgic time. Uh, video games released this month include Wario Land 2 for the Game Boy, Need for Speed 3, Hot Pursuit for the PlayStation 1, and, and the PC. Uh, Redneck Rampage Rides Again for MS-DOS, House of the Dead for Sega Saturn, Warhammer Dark Omen, and StarCraft for Windows. Hey. Um, one thing I wanted to amend, I think, for that uh, Chicago Bulls game yes. and the Atlanta Hawks, I think that was Michael Jordan's last NBA game oh. with the uh, Chicago Bulls. That would so make sense. I think Why it was After that, he went to the Wizards. Oh, that's right. Wait, he was on so, the Wizards? Yeah, yeah, he was on the Washington Wizards. Were they the Wizards at that time? Years. Or was it the Bullets? Um, what, actually, so the Bullets, as far as I'm aware, the Bullets, I think, is an alternate. It's it's basically the uh, ABA name of what would be the, the Pistons or something oh, like okay, that. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, or um, I think so. There is sometimes they have these throwback jerseys. That oh, say but wait a second. Them, so. Was is the Washington Wizards what used to be the Seattle Supersonics? No, <laughs> never. I, <laughs> because it's Washington. This is, Washington, this obviously, I know a lot about <laughs> basketball from the 90s. <laughs> hey, this is well, this is the late 90s. Again, this really showcases my knowledge of NBA ends in 1994 with NBA Jam. Yeah, I, I, I think I, maybe it's Washington Wizards, but one basically one of the teams that was the ABA Bullets team became the Wizards or the Pistons or somebody like that. I can't remember. Gotcha. So. All right. Is it time to talk about Clonoa? Heck yeah, it is. All right. As previously mentioned, released March 10th, 1998. Today, it is playable on PlayStation, PSP, PS Vita, PlayStation 3, PlayStation 4, PlayStation, basically all the PlayStation. Yeah, pretty much if there's a PlayStation, you can play this game in some form on it. Yes. Uh, the PC, Xbox 360, one and series consoles. Wait a second. Is there a Clinoa on 360? Did I just leave that there? I know, I know that it is for one and series and Nintendo Switch, but now I'm doubting myself. Yeah. So maybe not Live 360. Correction. Maybe not 360. Um, <laughs> we'll leave that a mystery. Um, and also the Wii should be on here somewhere. There's a there's a version on the Wii. True. It's just named Klonoa and oh. not Klonoa Door to Phantomile. Okay. Fair enough. I think that's why it, oh, maybe it did show up and I just didn't research that part very well. 
Yeah, we were a little unsure last time, but from what I can gather is that the version that's on the Wii, because I looked up gameplay and what it looks like, it's basically the um, Phantom Reverie series that is the modern release on Xbox One, PlayStation 5, and PC. Uh, Except for it is... um, So it's basically a 3D remake of the original Klonoa. Um, because on PlayStation one, like the characters on screen, they're all sprites. Uh, they're not actually 3d models. So that's what the Wii version sort of did. Um, there's a, on Netflix, it's it's totally random, but they have a Pokemon Mewtwo strikes back and it's a basically 3d remake of the, um, like a 3d animation remake of the anime movie. Oh, so <laughs> it's kind of like that. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's what it reminds me of. They took the TD art and they just made everything 3D. Interesting. Um, but, it, you know, on the PlayStation, they had 3D environments. So well, I'm sure we'll learn a little bit about that here. Uh, so as for the overview, uh, the story follows Klonoa and his friend Hupo in their efforts to save the dream world of Phantom Isle from an evil spirit intent on turning it into a world of nightmares. The player controls Klonoa through a 2.5D perspective. The stages are rendered in three dimensions, but the player moves along a 2D path. Klonoa can grab enemies and throw them as projectiles or use them as a jump boost to navigate through the stages. Klonoa Door to Phantom Isle is remembered for its blend of 2D gameplay and 3D visuals. Critics praised it for retaining classic side-scrolling gameplay while still acknowledging the industry's transition to 3D. GameSpy, Polygon, and GamesRadar ranked it as 5th, 10th, and 25th best PlayStation game of all time, respectively. Nintendo Power called it arguably the best platformer released for the PlayStation, and GameSpy called it the best 2.5D game ever of all the platformers of its generation. For the history, Klonoa, Door to Phantom Isle, was developed by Namco and directed by Hideo Yoshizawa and his tenth, as his 10th project. Yoshizawa is known for having previously directed Ninja Gaiden of 1988 for the Nintendo Entertainment System. The idea for Door to Phantom Isle originated when Yoshizawa wanted to create a more cinematic game following his dissatisfaction with other developers not prioritizing story. The game was originally planned to be an adaptation of the manga um, let's say I'm going to try this. Spreegon, I think. Oh, or I don't know. I, I think I've heard people just say Spriggan. So, oh, but okay. <laughs> that doesn't necessarily mean that's right because it, okay. it probably wouldn't be pronounced that way if it's a manga. But the license fell through. Not wanting their work wasted, the team morphed what they had built into an original game. The original concept was more serious and featured robots, and an ancient ruins motif. The main character was a robot that would defeat enemies with spinning iron balls. This idea was dropped for a dreams motif and a more comical story. I don't know know if it's comical, man. (laughs) I got comments about the story later. Uh, It's got some twists. It it does. Uh, Yoshizawa established the dream concept because he was interested in exploring the idea of where dreams go when they are forgotten. 
He envisioned a world where these dreams could be collected and felt players could relate the setting to their own dreams and experiences. Namco felt that the game would appeal to a wide audience thinking the adventure-like aspects would be enjoyed by children and the emotional plot twists would be appreciated by adults. Lead designer uh, Tsuyoshi Kobayashi conceptualized the fast-paced action gameplay. Originally, the game used three buttons but was reduced to two for quicker input and faster play. Klonoa and other characters were designed by Yoshihiko Arai. The initial designs of Klonoa had a shadow-like design and the character was called Shady. Arai felt that this design lacked color and dropped it. His next design had cat eyes and long ears and he believed that a person's eyes and silhouette are their foremost features. He added a large hat and a necklace to give him a childlike and mischievous quality. The character has features of a dog, cat, and rabbit, but is not explicitly any particular animal. His hat features a Pac-Man design. After Klonoa was designed, the setting and other characters were designed around him. Having now adapted his dream, or sorry, having now adopted a dreams theme, the enemies were designed as nightmarish. Klonoa and Hyopo, I get. I'm gonna say it that way because that's what it sounds like. At least in the game, like Yupo, <laughs> pretty much, yeah. Uh, so his movements in, sin- in cinematics were based on motion capture data. Oh, some of the cinematic uh, animators acted out their own motion capture in addition to professional actors. Differences in the character movements can be spotted with a close eye, according to the developers. The 3D graphics and cinematics were made with Lightwave 3D. The levels were designed in soft image 3D. The background music was the work of several different composers, each working on their stages independently. Uh, from the research that I, I did on, on Klonoa, it seemed like the uh, FMV, you know, 3D animated sequences were like way ahead of its time. It was like Klonoa was regarded as like a really beautiful game, like had, you know, very realistic cinematics. Yeah, I think, I think that's going to be uh, talked about in the reception here. Yeah, yeah. So, thank you, thank you. Foreshadowing. <laughs> yeah, I, I just had to get that get that out. That I I just thought it looks dated by today's standards, but it it was really incredible at the time. Not as incredible as Parasite Eve. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Agreed. Uh, critics labeled Klonoa Door to Phantom Isle as Namco's first notable 3D platformer and a bid for creating a gaming mascot. Gamespot called it one of the best side scrollers in years critics praised how the game was built upon simple controls and maneuvers to create interesting gameplay computer and video games liked how the game's level design lent itself as a satisfying puzzle element rather than just an exercise in platforming skills ign wrote that it was perhaps the best platformer on the market and the first 2.5d platformer makes use of classic 2D game elements without sacrificing the versatility of a 3D environment. Critics praise the level design and diverse elements. The cinematics received praise, with Edge believing they rivaled some film CGI. The in-game graphics and visual artistry were also commended for their quality. The game's Japanese cuteness was met with mixed reviews. Some thought it was overly cute. Game Revolution complained about the character voices and labeled the cuteness nausea-inducing. 
Others like Edge and computer and video games appreciated the game's cute aspects. Because of the game's cuteness, Game Revolution gave, uh, felt the game was geared towards children. Indeed, Namco itself stated the game was geared for children. Um, okay, okay, yeah. Sorry, I was like, I was like, I thought there was going to be more after this. Like, I thought there was going to be a but. Um, they also believe the game was too difficult for young players, while likewise too simple for more skillful gamers. Others agree the game was too short and could have been more challenging. The game is set in Phantom Isle. I'm sorry, this the synopsis. Oh yeah. Also, by the way, part of the synopsis. This is for folks listening. This is going to give some story spoilers. So I just want to let you know if you do want to go into this blind and I'll remember, I'll try to remember to say this later (laughs) as well as I talk about a few things in the story. If you do care about the spoilers, skip ahead, like maybe two minutes, three minutes minutes. starting now. Uh, As for the synopsis, the game is set in Phantom Isle, a land fueled by dreams uh, people have at night, an anthropomorphic animal named Klonoa has been having dreams about an airship crashing into a nearby mountain. And one day, an airship does indeed crash into the mountain. Klonoa and his f- friend, a ring spirit named Hupo, decide to investigate. They find a dark spirit named Gadius on uh, the top of the mountain, searching for a magical moon pendant so he can turn Phantom Isle into a world of nightmares. Klonoa finds the pendant under a bell and ventures back to town uh, where his grandfather tells him that the chiefess of a nearby forest knows about the pendant. The pendant is left with his grandfather. Klonoa and Hyopo travel there to find the chiefess who tells them about the mystery of the pendant. One of Gaddis' henchmen eavesdrops on the conversation and ventures off to steal the pendant before Klonoa can arrive back. Klonoa eventually defeats Gaddius, who unleashes a nightmarish beast known as uh, Nahatom as he dies. Hyopo reveals himself to be the prince of the Moon Kingdom and helps Klonoa defeat Nahatom and restore peace to Phantom Isle. After his final battle, Hyopo explains that Klonoa actually came from another world and was given fake memories when summoned to Phantom Isle. Klonoa is then sucked through the portal back to his own world. Yeah, which I, I think was a little bit of a plot twist because there that were... That was a huge plot twist. Yeah, it, it, it's weird just because there are other animals similar to Klonoa in the village that he lives in. <laughs> like, you think that he belongs in the world, but it's like, no, actually, you're, you know, you don't even, you're not even from this world, so... It's like, yeah, go back. you actually don't belong. He's like, but no, I have memories. We've been friends for so long, and he's like... Turns out, no, I just, uh, I created all of that and just put it into your head. It's like, you didn't know me. I used you to save my world. Yeah. The, the thing that I was actually surprised about, uh, that they didn't put in this grandpa dies, man. Yeah. (laughs) He gets, he gets dunked on. Like (laughs) the, the Joker dude just comes by and just like, boom, just like. Just like nukes him, basically. Yeah, drops a laser dump right on his house, on his head. I was just like, as that was coming up, I did not expect for an actual like death scene. I was like, holy crap, they killed grandpa? (laughs) 
Like, no, no way. This sucks. And then the whole same thing at the end, Clodo was like, but no, Yopo, we're friends. And he's like, no, man, I basically brainwashed you. (laughs) I'm just like, holy crap. I feel so bad for Klonoa. Yeah. Anyway, like those twit, like there's so much more story in this game than I expected. It's a two, (laughs) like it's basically a 2D platformer. My my reference for story in 2D platformers is Mario. Like, oh, Bowser took the princess again. Oh, hey, we got her back. Like, that's the <laughs> story. Not like Grandpa gets a freaking laser beam dropped on his head as he slowly dies in front of you. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Like, oh, my God. <sighs> anyway. <laughs> yeah, that that, you know. A joke has no joke, apparently. Yeah. They like I <laughs> I just I legitimately was stunned in those two scenes and just yeah. could not believe what was happening as the story of this this 2D platforming game. Pleasantly stunned. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. So um should we talk about our impressions? Please yeah. do. We'll I, I, I got a little impressions. bit into mine and all okay. that, all my spoiler stuff is done. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. It probably was longer than two to three minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whoops. Um, so yeah, this is my first time playing the game and I think the whole game is some sort of weird fever dream, honestly. Um, and I, I'm going to pause here that I did like the game. Like, don't get me wrong here. Yeah. I just like th- some of the things that I have to say about it just sound very critical, but like pretty much all the enemies in the game, they kind of look like rejected Pokemon in a way, yeah. <laughs> Like, but th- I mean that in a good way. Like there's so much like creativity and variety. Like I look at all of them like, yeah, this looked like a, this looks like an early Pokemon design, you know? <laughs> um, so there's a lot of variety there. Uh, but I think that, you know, we could talk about it all day. I could show you videos of gameplay, but I feel like you need to experience it to understand what this game is because I tried watching videos on it. I think, um, uh, you know, speaking of John Linnerman, as part of Digital Foundry Retro, he does a collaboration with My Life in Gaming that talks about this um, game. I don't know if you've seen that. I should have sent it to you. I'm sorry I didn't no, send it to I, you. No, I, I didn't watch it. Um, they do a whole thing on the whole series of Klonoa, but the first episode is pretty much focuses on this game, but, um, I'll send it your way. Uh, but that was, yeah, it, I watched that video before and I still didn't have a grasp of like how to play this game. Um, it, it took me a little while to get used to the controls because, some of the hitboxes for the enemies and and the wind bullet attack that that Klonoa uses, like if if there was an enemy hovering slightly off of the ground, it yeah. was really hard for me to pick him up, like because I would I would jump and then shoot the wind bullet over him. <laughs> yeah, but then when you land on the ground and you shoot the wind bullet, it goes under him. It, yeah. it just feels like there is a like a one line, like a few lines of pixels that you have to hit right in the middle. <laughs> it's like you got to put, it seems like you Klono is shooting the wind bullet into the enemy's mouth and they're inflating. Yeah. (laughs) And that's kind of like how tight your aiming needs to be in a way. Um, yeah, I I had similar issues. 
eventually I kind of picked it up and I felt more comfortable and was able to pull off some of the harder maneuvers in the later levels. So, which you um, get forced into doing. Yeah. Or you can't yeah. progress. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, it still feels very cool that, you know, when they put a line of floating enemies and you're jumping wind bullet, jump off them, wind bullet, jump off them. Yeah. Like when you to, like chain like three or four in a row, just going up, You've yeah. got to do it perfectly. And for those, most of them took me like a few tries. But yes. in the few instances, I was able to get like two of them in a row without having to do it again. I was like, yeah, I'm really good at this now. <laughs> and there's like a puzzle towards the end of the game that I was stuck on for a while where you have to like hit three crystals. Yeah, and the timing of it. Yeah, you have to use the wind bullet jump to like get up to a platform to hit a crystal and you have to come down and then, you know, chain another two enemies and then get back down and hit the final crystal or something like that. And the timing is so tight. Like I swear that I did it like two times before the third time I actually you there is no room for error in that puzzle. Like you have to you have to nail it. <laughs> yeah. So I played Fantasy Reverie on the on the Steam Deck. I thought I really appreciate the graphics and I like how, you know, everything's a consistent 3d model. I thought it was a little weird in cutscenes that you couldn't advance the, the text, like the text always auto advanced. Oh yeah. And there are some weird, long, awkward pauses that like fill every like, yeah, you, well, you can, you can hold one of the buttons to speed it up. Yeah, it like just seems like a weird times. solution. It is a weird problem. solution. It is. <laughs> I, I'm with you on that. Because I was like basically holding fast forward until more text shows up. Like, release hold, it. Let go. Hold, let go. Hold, <laughs> let go. <laughs> it's like it's like um, it's it's like you're using a VCR and you're reading the subtitles, yeah. but there's like long awkward pauses. You're fast forward play, fast forward play. <laughs> Thankfully, without the static on the screen. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> the. Uh, the PlayStation, you actually advance the text by pressing a button. So I don't know why that that was. It is not that changed. way on Xbox. Oh. I because I also played the Fantasy Reverie series. Um, you know, played just the first game, uh -huh. and it's it's identical to what you described. Yeah. So I just yeah I don't know why it was changed in that. Or or wait, the, so the Xbox version you can advance the text? No. No. It's okay, e okay. it's either move things at 5x speed or skip. Oh, wow. <laughs> Crazy. Okay. Okay. So I just let it play out. Yeah. So I don't know if it's a weird thing with, you know, like the Wii version, if, if there was like the, all the cutscenes are timed to the audio or something like that, but it was interesting. Um, what was your impression of the game? So at least as far as when it first released on the PlayStation, I was not aware of, well, I might have been aware of the game, but it didn't really register for me yet because I didn't have a PlayStation at the time. Um, I would be getting a PlayStation in like a couple months. Or wait a second, maybe I got my PlayStation in 97? Maybe I did have it. Hmm. Now I don't know. See, the timing <laughs> of the 90s in that era of my life is just so weird. It's just like so, like, it feels so much longer than it actually is. So now, now my timing's messed up. But anyway, um, but yeah, this, this would have been in my, like, I'm too cool to play a game that looks like a kid's game phase. 
because mm. um, I was still playing. I was still playing Goldeneye at this time. Actually, earlier today, I was just talking about the the Goldeneye tournament that I was in in th- like this year at my high school, where I came in second. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um. So yeah, like I was, I was firmly playing this, and then you know, a few months later. Like, or at least by the end of this year, I'd be playing Half-Life. So, yeah, that's that's a lot of legendary games in a small amount of time. Yeah. So, so anyway, I this was not on my radar. I would have looked at the the art for it, like on the cover, and been like, not playing this kid's game. Yeah. Um, but I gotta say, nowadays, as an adult, I think it's a very charming looking game. The platforming overall is fun, but I do agree with you, like just looking at the game. And I actually remember watching um, a friend of ours, Striddlecakes, when he was streaming. Mm. He played this game on stream and I watched part of it and like it didn't look as appealing as it wound up being for me. Like I was interested in it, but... I since I wasn't paying attention to the story and I wasn't paying attention to like everything that was going on because I didn't watch the entire game. Like I didn't yeah, I really didn't get the right feel for it until playing it this time around. And like the the platforming is pretty good. Like it really, especially towards the end of the game, really tests your skills. Like what you were talking about with the timing of those switches that you have to hit. There's, there's a few sections with that. There's a few sections of also what we described where we have to like chain jump up. There's even a section that combines the two of chain jumping up and hitting switches. <laughs> and yeah. it really like forces you to be good at the, at the mechanics of the game for you to proceed. Like you can't just get lucky. You have to actually be good at the game mechanics or you're going to be stuck on a screen forever and not get to see the rest of the game. I think that's what makes it, you know, a good game is that it's tight. It's satisfying. Like the, the mechanics are solid. Um, you know, the, you don't have to do like super long jumps. Like I like the scale of the game. Like, you know, the levels aren't very big, but they yeah. are very detailed. Um, yeah. I was a little frustrated, like <laughs> the year there, like towards the end, like the last couple levels, there's some platforms that you have to land on that basically you have to land like perfectly. Like, cause the platforms are like that. Oh big, yeah. They're tiny know? and they disappear. Um, <laughs> there are the disappearing ones. Those are, those are not, fun. but there are some that are just, they don't disappear, but they're just tiny. They're very, they're oh, like, yeah. it's like a spike. Yeah. Like a piece of an iceberg flying out in space. That. And then like when you're on those tiny ones, there's also a section where there's enemies jumping towards you from other tiny things to like trap you in the middle. The game is devious sometimes. It, it, It is. And those little platforms, sometimes if you're not perfectly centered when you land, you'll just like, you'll see Klonoa's like model just like teleport like one frame to one little pixel to the right and slide right past it. Like, yeah, it's almost like they're like rounded corners or something. (laughs) So I, I, that was a little Crisco on those corners. Yeah. Just a little slippery. I just thought that that was interesting, but, um, 
you know, or could have been a little bit more forgiving. But other than that, I mean, the original game ran at 60 FPS, which was not common for 3D games of this time, um, but was common for 2D games. So yeah. I think that's why they set that target. So overall, um, I think I think the game's very well executed. The the story, the the fact that it has one and it has the twists that it has. I'm genuinely interested in how the story continues in the next Klonoa game. Yeah, I mean, the the end is almost like a cliffhanger. It's yeah. Like, what happens next? Seriously. So, yeah, I'm, I was pleasantly surprised by this game um, just in general, but I know we have other stuff to talk about. <laughs> yeah. So what what overall did you think about the music? I think the music's very high quality. It's sort of like there's different tones to the different levels. Like I really like, you know, sort of early and you're sort of like grassy knoll ruins and you go into a jungle. And I feel like, I feel like the music matches really well, but I really like how um, towards the end of the game you get more like more electronic sort of beats that, that sort of really set this like twilight sort of atmosphere. Cause you're like in sort of dark environments or if you're in that, that level towards the end that where it's like dark and light, you know, all the time, I think the tones are set really well. Um, I don't know. I, th- I think the music is quality. I can't, I really can't fault it in any way. Yeah. Overall, uh, I think the soundtrack is, is really great. Um, Speaking of that, I'm going to take a little break here to let you guys listen to some of the soundtrack for Klonoa, Door to Phantom Isle. We'll be right back.
Well, hopefully you enjoyed that little music break. Um, and hopefully you guys enjoy the music and this, this entices you potentially to play Klonoa. Um, but yeah, I, I, overall pretty, pretty great music. Um, anything else in particular you want to say about the music? No, I don't think so. There was, I'm, I'm kind of disappointed because there was one boss theme that I really wanted to, um, uh, particularly Gaddis's theme towards um I think I think it's the first fight that you have with Gaddis gotcha. and it's um yeah it's it's just a really cool I just remember being like yeah this is <laughs> this is my this is my one track that like really sticks out to me in this Let's game. Let's see which um, one would that be. And yeah, I know. I tried like There's so many early, tracks. There's uh, 68 it, tracks from what I'm looking at right now. Yeah, it, it's not labeled like Gaddis Fight One, and I, I'm pronouncing it Gaddis because that's how it's spelt. But in the game, they say Gaddy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, actually, that was one thing that I read that didn't like that didn't make it in here because I again I didn't want to copy the, literally the entirety of the Wikipedia article. Um, but they're speaking their own made up language, but it's consistent. It's not just gibberish. Mm-hmm. It's like they actually created a language yes. for the characters to speak because I noticed the consistency and I was like, I don't recognize this like as an, an actual normal spoken language, but yeah, they, they made it up for the game. Yeah. I think that there, yeah, there's a lot of detail to the game. I think that that's really cool that they did that. <laughs> it's, in that uh, Digital Foundry retro video, they compared it to like something of the time like Banjo-Kazooie, you know, <laughs> which is sort of like, um, you know, beeps and squeaks and all kinds of different noises. But it, you know, I think it, this really stands head and shoulders above that. All right. Well, as far as characters in the game, uh, we've mentioned most of the important characters. We, of course, have Klonoa and Huapal. Mm-hmm. Uh, the little floating blue guy who morphs into the prince of something, Dreamland, Dreamworld. Yeah, because I, I think that fits his character kind of well because he's just sort of this puffy friend, you know, and that hangs out with Klonoa. He's, you know, he doesn't really do too much, but, you know, he's really a person. He's he really you know, actually has sort of this noble quest going on, right? Where he just tricks Klonoa <laughs> for some help. Pretty much. You know, it's it's one of those gray areas, right? Doing a bad thing to... To save your kingdom, I suppose that's all right. Yeah, right. As long as, long as Klonoa is all right. And Klonoa seems to be okay. It just feels betrayed. Yeah. <laughs> um... So we also have, who else do we have? This, uh, some wikis are great and they're like, these are the characters from this game. But a lot of the things that I find are like, here's all the characters from every single Klonoa game on this page. Mm, Yeah. So anyway, most of the other characters aren't super important, but I do want to call out that fish 
That what oh, what's like a Pamela. like a coy Pamela. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, Who I could think it's forget inc- Pamela. It's an incredible the skyfish. Ran- <laughs> it's an incredibly random name. Um, I yeah. don't know. Maybe maybe someone on the team was a Baywatch fan. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but I so yeah. I I loved Pamela. I thought she was great. Always yeah. there to help you out, at least after you take her down. Yeah. Because you come across her son, or where actually, I don't even know. You come across yeah. Pamela's fish child that's uh-huh. like, My mom, please help my mom. She's doing bad things because Joka has made her bad, I guess. Yeah. So, anyway. So Pamela, I I love all the rides that first through the water and then all of a sudden Pamela can fly and then flies you up to the moon kingdom at one point. (laughs) She's like, hilarious about that. And it's like, hop on, Klonoa. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to fly away now. And they're like, whoa, Pamela can fly. It's like, holy crap. (laughs) Flying fish. A literal flying fish. Shout out to Pamela. That's right. So Pamela... Secret best character of Klonoa, Door to Phantom Isle. Uh, I was pretty confused about the grandpa and granny mechanic because, like, you would think that, oh, it's Klonoa's grandfather because it looks like Klonoa. And then you go see Granny, and Granny's like someone else entirely. Yeah. <laughs> She's like the, the elder chief of uh, the jungle. Or yeah. Something. The guardians. <sighs> Poor grandpa, man. Anyway, and you said the guardians. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say I'm not going to go too much into Grandpa's story because I already did it in the hopefully long enough to be spoiler section. Um, but yeah, Grandpa. I was going to say you. You said that the the guardians um, kind of sounded like uh, Yoshi, right? Oh yeah, like at least it, at least early on, it made me think of like. Like, <laughs> yeah, pretty much <laughs> like those kinds of like noises that you hear when you're talking to like a bunch of Yoshis. Yeah. I, I, for some reason I kept thinking of like when, you know, Yoshi would jump cause it would be like a, hep. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, like they're kind of how they talk. Like, hep. <laughs> um, but this is, what's kind of cool is, uh, so like when you're going through the levels, you're sort of like, saving the the residents of the area and you know like on the on the map screen it shows all the residents that you saved you know yeah um which i got most i i, I think the first two levels i didn't get them all or something yeah same and i think but, for all the rest afterwards i got all of them yes exactly i feel like so, that should be backwards like it was like it was easy for me to knock it out for everything else, I don't know. Maybe I just wasn't used to the mechanic of the game or like looking for them yet. Right, right. Um, so I feel like uh, I, I don't know. I just thought it was cool. You're you're meeting, and then you know every world that you visit, you meet somebody there that helps you out later in the story. So it's kind of like you're gaining all these friends, and they're all sort of different. It's almost like a Final Fantasy, you know party or something like that. You know, that everyone's, everyone's different. Everyone's, uh, but working towards a common goal. Uh, do you want to talk about the visions, which is what the levels are or enemies or kind of maybe both? If we can recall. 
Yeah. yeah, I guess if there's even any enemies in particular to call out, because I feel like for the most part, a lot of them are pretty samey in the way mm-hmm. that you interact with them. Like some of them, it's like you have to get them from behind instead of because they've got a pokey thing. Yeah. Or like or they have armor. So you you've got to hit them once before you can then grab them and throw them. Yep. Yeah. And there's a uh, little propeller creatures that when you wind bullet them, you hang on to them and you fly upward. Oh yeah. Those were cool. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of like Kirby. It's like, you know, you, I mean, the game reminds me a lot of Kirby, you know, sort of that 2.5 D sort of gameplay. And it's like, you suck the enemies up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> basically. It's pretty much what you do. And uh, instead of it being in your body, you're holding them as a balloon over your head. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of, instead of sucking them up, you're blowing. <laughs> yes. Instead of blowing air into them. So instead of sucking your enemies, you blow them. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, oh my God. So when talking about the visions, basically each vision has like, for example, vision one, you've got sort of two levels. So you have vision one dash one and vision one dash two. Um, and then after that, you would go to two dash one and two dash two. And it's so very on. Mario in that way. It reminded me of like Sonic two, for example, like each. Oh yeah. Where there's, each, uh, that, that's actually a really good point. Yeah. Like uh, not, not Sonic one because there was three zones per world yeah. basically. So um, anyway, just after you get a palette change every, every two levels basically. So I, I gotta, I gotta say Klonoa, the character feels like a character out of the Sonic universe. Yeah. I was going to say very Sega character. For yeah. Sure. Even though this isn't from Sega, it screams like, like Klonoa is a character from Sonic Adventure 3 or something. <laughs> yeah. No, definitely. I mean, anthropomorphic animal yeah. that can fly kind of. Yeah. Um, yeah. And in some of the sections, you know, Klonoa runs downhill and runs kind of fast, kind of like Sonic. So, yeah. It's true. Are. Yeah. And wears shoes and kind of has an edgy sort of belt around it. Klonoa's neck. I thought that was interesting. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe it's a, a really big collar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Could be. But speaking of the visions, yes. uh, I mean, are there any that like really that any mechanics that you really liked? Um, any of the worlds that you really liked? Um, you know, overall, I felt like all of them were pretty cool. They all had their own unique look and feel, Mm -hmm. which I appreciated. And even though like I did have some frustration with trying to get some of the mechanics exactly right, because you Mm -hmm. have to (laughs) towards the end of the game, I do feel like I, I, I did really enjoy like probably the last four levels. So like five, one, five, two, six, one, six, two, um, I, I do like some of the added elements that they put in unlocking different parts of like, even though it was somewhat, I don't know, could be looked at as tedious. Maybe I really mm-hmm. did like the, like, here's a little departure to go, like get this like color. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so that I can go around and then 
like, and in, and in this case, like this color thing opens up this little panel so I can go to the next door to go to the next color. Or like when you first get to the, you're already in the moon kingdom. Oh yeah. It's called the four orbs. Uh, Coronia temple of the sun. I so sorry, not yeah. the moon kingdom, but the temple of the sun, like getting those four orbs was actually like really interesting. And I, I really enjoyed the level design because in, in a lot, or at least early on when it's like, okay, it shows you there's four things you need to get. There's two ways that you can go. And then those two paths that you can go to either side, each one of them branches off into two paths, one corresponding to each color. So you could start going through on one of them, but then like in the background, you see what the path is going to be like for when you do say like red when right now you're getting blue. So I I really like that 3D part of it where you actually like get to see so much more of the level around you and where you're going to go. And actually it's it's not even it's not even specific to that level. They do that quite a bit in the level design where you start going down this 2D path that's like wrapping around or maybe you go through a door, but you see before you go in that door like oh there's a whole area back there where, oh, there's like, there's one of the things that I need to get to get one of the, like to save the people or whatever. But yeah, I I love that you kind of get a preview of everywhere that you either have been or are still needing to go, even if that's not necessarily exactly where you're going to go next. I don't know that just the, the way that everything is laid out is fun to me, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) I, I think in one of the jungle levels too, like there's an area that has like this sort of figure eight pattern. Oh to yeah. It, where it's like sort of a crossing path in the middle and you can kind of like go different directions depending on which way you go. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of going to echo what you said a little bit. Um, a lot of the levels, it's mostly about getting from point A to point B with minor diversions. Like you might have to go off into a different path to get a key so that you can backtrack. And Oh yeah, that's right. The keys. And, and that's not even a consistent mechanic in all the levels. It's like it, each, yeah. each kind of have their own unique thing, which is cool. Yeah. Yeah. It kept the game fresh, but I, again, I really did enjoy that vision five, one, the four orbs where it's yeah. kind of, you have a hub area that you have to keep going off to these different branching paths to come back to. And I believe, um, six, one, the legendary kingdom where you've got all these sort of blockages. You're trying to get to this door, yeah. but you have to destroy these different colored crystals that are in your way. And it's sort of like a labyrinth, but again, yeah, no- that one was, that one was definitely a little bit more involved in like, as far as like trying to pay close attention and not get lost. Yeah. Um, I'm going to make sure I'm not talking about 6-2, the prism corridor, but I think I'm pretty sure it was 6-1. Well, whichever one it is, I know what you're talking about. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's just, uh, it was just really cool because if the whole game was like that, it might've felt tedious, but I like that they switched it up uh, every time they used the mechanics. They had to do something different for each world. So I think it does a lot for the world building to make each world feel unique. Like, oh, everything works differently here because of course it is. It's an entirely different culture and setting. So, (laughs) and Pamela takes you around to at least half of them. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Pamela. (laughs) 
maybe instead of enemies, we could talk about bosses. Sure. If we have a clean list of that. So the, the clean list is going to be in this YouTube link and you'll have to look oh. at the more info, but basically it's a video of all the boss fights. But yeah, when you go to, sorry, show more, uh, there's Rongolango, Evil, Seedoff, and Pamela, Gelgbalm, mm-hmm. Baladium, Joka, Gadius, and Nahatom. I really liked the first boss myself um, because he's he's kind of like three giant polygons yeah. that walk around. <laughs> I mean, not really, but he, he sort of jumps around and, you know, you just have to get sort of get behind him and throw enemies. Yeah. So for some reason, I just like that boss. I just love his design. He's kind of like a toucan yeah. and a rhinoceros. Yeah, he's real, real silly looking. Yeah. I don't know. He just, I, th- I think he was cool. Um, and then, of course, it's um, you got to fight uh, corrupted Pamela or yes. or something in the in, in evil Pamela, evil Pamela, <laughs> and Sea uh, Dove, I guess. And and it's kind of funny because Sea uh, Dove, you got these sort of spike balls that are coming towards you in a circle, and you can run around the boss. Um, but Sea Dove just just decides to like. I don't know, run on top of the spike balls and at which point you can grab him and use him as ammunition yeah. against Pamela. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, man, if he didn't, you know, this boss would be unbeatable if he wasn't just like screwing around, like, <laughs> but he keeps doing it. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, overall, I feel like none of the boss fights were too difficult, but mm-hmm. the, the one that I think that I got the most frustrated with was not the final one. It was uh, Baladium. Oh, okay. The one where you're on the bridge and it's it's going back and forth. Oh, that okay, was the one okay. that I had like the most frustrating time with. Um, even though I didn't die, and I did die in like the the final boss. I think I died a couple times from like falling off. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like. I don't know the, I think the fact, or sorry, the way that they were doing the 3d of moving you back and forth and getting further away and closer to the enemy and the way that he's like putting down different obstacles in different places, but you have to deal with it in 3d space on a 2d plane. That was the most, definitely the most difficult and frustrating thing, I guess, was that uh, specifically having to deal <laughs> with 3D space on the 2D plane. Okay. Well, I, yeah, I, I thought that was a fun boss. I didn't have as much trouble with it. The one I didn't like was um, Gelg Bloom. Boom. Wait, I'm sorry. Gelg Bloom. Bloom. That's right. Not Blom. It's it, the the trick is is that you have to sort of get these enemies and you have to there are these springs that you jump on but you only really get height off the springs if you jump at the right time and and this is definitely a time I'm still getting used to the controls so I was having a hard time yeah, like that's fair you know timing because basically he's rolling at you and you're on the spring and you have to time it just right that you jump you know, just the right time. So you get enough height to get over them and you only get one shot. Basically the timing is tight enough that you only have one opportunity. Um, or you have to run, you know, sacrifice your enemy to, 
jump yeah. out of the way. They, and... That that fight did definitely take me a while to complete. I yeah. like, yeah, it, it was hard in trying to figure out the timing for it, but yeah. like not hard in the, like I was getting hit a lot and close to death. Like I mm. was with that Balladium fight. Okay. Okay. What did you think of the Gaddius fight where you're sort of in the giant tire, you know, oh, running around it? Uh, it wasn't too bad. Like, I thought it was a cool fight. Yeah. Over, overall, like, I, I did enjoy the mechanics of that fight. I, I don't think it was, like, super difficult. It did definitely get more difficult with the next boss fight, though also not too bad. I mean, I, I don't feel like, honestly, I feel like the platforming of the game and like how skilled you have to get with some of the elements just to get to the end of a stage were more difficult than the majority of the boss fights. And, and something I, I wanted to shout out about the Fantasy Reverie series that I really liked is that I don't think this is in the PS1 version. Is Probably that not. When you when you would you see a boss, it tells you like, okay, this is what's going to happen. Yeah, it's like here's <laughs> the mechanics of this boss fight. Like, thank yeah, you. And here are the weak points, right? So you can uh, basically it gives you an idea of what to do. If I didn't have those, I would be probably pretty frustrated. Oh yeah, same. <laughs> if if I didn't get a heads up on what to expect and how to, you know, you still have to do it. <laughs> Right. But yeah, that, that definitely would have been a lot more frustrating. So I, in the, the two final fight um, boss fights, like I think I died once to each. Um, but like by that time I had a lot of it was like, okay, I need, I didn't understand what I was doing. And yeah, that was almost every boss in this game. I kind of died once. And then once I figured it out, I was able to execute. Um, it was just, a little tricky there. Honestly, that, that, that crystal puzzle that I told you that was at the end where you have to activate those three crystals yeah. within a short amount of time. That was the hardest part of the game. Seriously. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm with you there. Like yeah. that was, the, I was like, is this where the game breaks me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause I was like, I was there for probably a solid 20 minutes. I'm like, yeah. damn, like I, there yeah. better not be more of these. It's, it's <laughs> insane. Like get just, you're stuck on having to like perfectly, time hitting these three things and uh i would get so close until i realized i just needed to change uh the way that i was going about it yeah but overall i think really creative bosses like again no reused mechanics yeah um no that's that's true i i've got the gaddius fight going on in front of me right now and as you're like running in that 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 tire ring of gravestones it looks yeah. like <laughs> yeah for some reason that one reminded me of like a super mario galaxy fight or something like it reminded me of a i don't know super mario galaxy boss or something yeah i i could get that also i mean it, it also just makes me think of Star Fox. yeah yeah that too you know the big floating enemy with hands and stuff throwing stuff at you andros's enemies are my enemies <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the so then the final the final fight with Nahatom, if I I guess I don't know if that's I don't know if that's how you say it. It's fun to say it yeah. that way though. Nahatom. Um mm -hmm. 
I didn't expect it to be a three-part fight. Yeah, I mean, there was a little repetition there, um, but I, I think it, I had fun with it. I, th- I think it was a, a good boss. I didn't, I didn't get frustrated. Yeah, it, so one thing that I felt was difficult from that fight was like collecting your enemy and then throwing it at the right place to have it go to your, your friend's cannon. Cause you yes. had to get it to five cannons and like, so you basically like in the first part of the fight and in the third part of the fight, you're not directly fighting the boss. Yeah. You're just staying alive, grabbing ammo in the form of another enemy and giving it to your friends to put the enemies in their cannons and their moon cannons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So that they can simultaneously fire their five moon cannons at once at the enemy. And then the second part of it, like he eats you and you're inside of his body and you're fighting, you're fighting him from inside. (laughs) The call's coming from inside the house. (laughs) Um, And it's like the, like a four eyed Cheshire cat with lasers coming out of its eyeballs. Mm hmm. As you like, and then even then you're not ever directly fighting the boss. You're then having to pick up enemies and throw them at the crystals that are floating somewhere near the boss. Yeah. I think I got a little confused. I think I died here because I was trying to throw the enemies at the boss. Yeah. But once I figured it out, I was like, oh, the floating crystals that look like all the other crystals, except for they're like on fire or something like, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that uh, the when when you do that, then they then you are all of a sudden back outside of the boss's body. It's kind of like the first one was a warm up because your allies who have the cannons, you can they they kind of stay still. Um they're just they're floating up and down, but they yes, kind of stay in one spot. That's true. So there it's kind of like a warm up like okay, this is the easy one, but the second time they are below you. And the only way to throw an enemy below you is to double jump with an enemy in your hand. Yeah. And so you kind of have to double jump at the right time. And then your, your allies are floating around this rotating platform, which is also moving. Um, yeah, <laughs> it, it takes a little bit to get the timing right. But again, I think I died once. And then the second time I like nailed it, I think I almost went perfect for every enemy I threw. Um, yeah, I, I had some difficulties at first with trying to match their speed and throw the enemies down. So there were a few times in trying to do that, I just jumped off one of the platforms and fell. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, well, guess I'm doing that again. Yeah, it's kind of tricky. But once again, with enough practice, I think it became a lot easier. Um, But speaking of easy... I really liked playing this on the easy difficulty. Me of the too. Series. Oh, <laughs> have, I, I was going to ask you about that, like which difficulty you were playing on, but I really appreciated not having to worry about lives oh, because I don't too. think I would have finished this game without, if I had to deal with lives. Yeah. It, so there were some places that I felt like I breezed through the game. There were some places yeah. that I just died repeatedly. And I was like, <laughs> I am stoked that I don't have to worry about a life counter right now. Cause yes. 
that that really would have felt pretty frustrating. Yeah, and and there were some levels i think in the the sixth vision where um okay this is a tricky area there is an extra life here so that you can keep collecting extra lives to stay here but it was also kind of tricky to get that extra life so i might have died a few times trying to get that extra life you know so yeah i guess that was kind of the only bummer is that like okay if you're playing on easy you have unlimited lives suddenly these klonoa tokens you know, they, they have no purpose. Yeah. Anymore, when I, when know? I got the first one, I was like, Oh, my life counter is the infinity symbol. So mm-hmm. I guess I don't need those. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I definitely would have lost all my lives towards the end of the game there. So yeah, I was happy to not have to deal with that. I liked that. I didn't take as much damage. Um, same. It's all good. Yeah, because honestly, the the platforming in the game is difficult enough to not have to worry about those things. And like, I think it's funny though that like back then it was like this game's too easy for adults, but it's too hard for kids. Yeah, and I'm like, am I a kid still? Because I'm pretty sure. I mean, you know, I I know that if I try hard and believe in myself. <laughs> that I would have been able to push myself through this playing it not on easy mode, but it would have been less fun for me. So, yeah, you know, certain, certain games, I appreciate difficulty others. I'm like, please let me put this on press forward to win mode. So I can, I can just get stuff out of the story so I can appreciate the art the everything that's in the game and not focus on getting frustrated at dying all the time. Even though, again, this game on easy, yes, the other things are easy about it where you don't have, you know, you don't lose, you don't have to worry about your lives and you do take less damage before you die. But the platforming is still just as difficult. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So yeah, you can't, you, you can't just skate through the entire game you do actually have to get good at the mechanics of the game, um, which you know I'm I'm still on board with that. Um, and apparently there there is a final vision of the game that I actually didn't play. Um, that you know is unlocked at the end of the game. Oh, which I didn't realize that. Yeah, it it, it does. Ch- um, it has some challenge levels, I guess, to it um, where it really challenges your ability to chain uh, when bullet jumps oh, over wow. and over again. Okay. Um, so anyway, that's there. So Uh, yeah, if, if you're looking for more challenge, if the, if you're one of the adults that the game is too easy, you got a challenge mode. There you go. Play it on hard mode and then do the challenges. (laughs) I will be very impressed. Yeah. It'll make you cry. (laughs) I mean, yeah, playing, playing it on that, it'll probably be as difficult as Crash Bandicoot. Yeah, and I was thinking about this uh, about Crash while playing the game because it sort of the gameplay reminded me of Crash. It was so yeah, different. Some of it reminded me as well, but it was in the same vein, you know, that three D two D platformer, um, you know. But like, I just felt like it was so much friendlier to the player. Where Crash is just kind of messed up. Yeah, <laughs> like I think. Yeah, uh, so I was actually I I was thinking of. Uh, which I did not pick this, so this isn't a spoiler. 
but I was thinking like, oh, maybe, maybe we should play Crash Bandicoot next and we could do like, I could try it on the insane trilogy. Cause like I've played it on PlayStation one. I've never beat it. I remember streaming it last year. And then I remembered I streamed it last year and I got to a certain point where I was like, I don't need to play this game anymore. I think I'm fine. <laughs> like it's tough. Like it's a really hard platformer. And, uh, I read that even playing it on easy on the insane trilogy, like it's still like the, the platforming is tough as nails. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I would need like infinite lives and a rewind system or something to get me through that. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. Know. And that's, and it's, that's not even the most challenging part of that game too. Right. Cause you, there are time trials challenges of for every level that you can get a medal for. Oh, okay. I didn't realize and that's the, every crash game has had that. It's, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's terrible, <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's Klonoa. Do you have anything else that you wanted to say about Klonoa? Um, you know, I, I, I recommend it. Um, yeah, it, at least, you know, well, again, take, if you're the person who likes difficulty, this game has it. If you're the type of person that wants a little bit of an easier time, uh, but some difficult platforming mechanics, this is also your game, uh, especially yeah. if you play the Fantasy Reverie release. Um, I know that I've played, like I because I do have uh, Klonoa digitally on the PlayStation 3, Slash mm. also on my PSP and Vita. Um, so I have played a bit of the game there. And it is also great and fun. I just didn't make it anywhere close towards the end of the game. So I can't I can't speak to the differences there. But, you know, the, the new release is the same game. It's just prettier. And it's a little bit less punishing if you go the easy route. Which, again, I recommend. If you're just like, I just want to get through this. And, uh see what the game has to offer. Yeah. I, I encourage it to anyone who uh, would be curious to play one of the finest 2d platformers ever made. That's because people call it that. <laughs> Are you calling it that? Uh, ooh. Yeah. 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 I was going to say that's high praise, which, yeah. you know, thinking about it. Yeah. Actually, I don't know. I'd have to think about that more. Because then I'm like, immediately I went to like Shovel Knight. <laughs> yeah. I love that yeah, game. Yeah, I know, I know you love Mario Brothers 3 and... Super Mario uh, World. Super Mario World. Yeah, but it's all, it's, all right. it's very different. It's very, very different from Mario. Yeah. Like, yeah. The the mechanics are incredibly different. It, but, yeah. I, you know, I do agree with you, though. It is, it is definitely like, it's like, it's like Kirby and Crash Bandicoot had a baby. <laughs> yeah. And that's Klonoa. Yeah, that's pretty that's pretty good. I would say that's accurate. And if you really just want like a unique and creative experience, because man, I don't they didn't hold any punches. It's it's out there. It's yeah. <laughs> it's really creative and the art's really good. So again, it's it like so I would say actually it's got the most engaging or compelling story of a 2D platformer I've ever experienced. <laughs> ah, there you go. So yeah. But I think that's all I got about Klonoa. Yeah, I think so too. I had fun. Yeah, me too. Thanks for picking the game. It was it was good. Yeah, it was kind of on a whim, but I was just like, yeah, it's time to play this. I dig it. 
All right. Well, should we go back to the future and get in that time machine? Let's do it. All right. Let's get in that time machine. We have arrived back to present day, which again is the past for you, listener. It is February the 10th. The year is 2023. We've just come back from playing some Klonoa in uh, 1998. And again, it's a great game. You should check it out. What do you got? Anything before we start talking about the stuff we've been playing? No. Let's, I want to I want to hear about the games you've been playing. All right. So no no real crazy list. And again, I know that I mentioned before, I've uh, been playing a bit more music lately and also been, been watching some shows and hanging out uh, with my partner more in the evenings um, after work and whatnot. So anyway, um, but what I have been playing is some Age of Empires 2, the definitive edition on Xbox. That's right. You can play Age of Empires with a controller and it's actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, I have played so far through, like I played through the intro campaign, the William Wallace campaign, and I'm like on the last level of the Joan of Arc campaign. And I am not great at RTS games, but I love this game. It's... I played so much of this game. I think it originally released in like 1997, maybe. And like this, this to me is just like one of the most solid all around great RTS games. And cause I like, I, though I like Starcraft and I like, I guess though I like some of the faster RTS games, I don't play them fast. Yeah. I play them very slowly. And you know what? You Maybe you're supposed to play Age of Empires faster than I play it. But I don't know. I just, I like taking my time, building things up, doing all the tech trees. But anyway, this game feels great on a controller. I tried it on cloud streaming first. I ultimately ended up downloading it. And this, this honestly is probably the best RTS, like, as far as controller control scheme goes that I have mm-hmm. played up to this point. And I really like some of the things that they've done with making it so that you can, when, when trying to organize your, your villagers to do work and gather wood and food and stone and gold, you don't have to micromanage them directly. You basically can like click in the right stick and then it shows you in the, at least in the basic uh, UI, it's like, do you want to do the basic, like, uh, say it's like 30% food, 30% wood, and then the rest is distribu- like distributed evenly or maybe slightly differently uh, for what you're going to be getting then for the stone and the gold. And then, like the the villagers just organize themselves to go do those things. And you can have auto build mode on for farming. Um, I guess they don't do auto build mode for creating like the, the logging facility areas or for uh, the mining camps. Like you still have to build some of those things you're on, like on your own, but there's a lot more automation to some of the tasks that you normally need to micromanage. And I really enjoyed that they did that 
with the controller. You know, it's not as hard to do it with, with mouse and keyboard, but honestly, I kind of want to check and see if that's in the PC <laughs> version because that was super nice. Like, I really just love being able to go like, huh, like you can change it all the time and be like, oh, you know what? I have way too much food right now. I'm going to switch to defensive mode because defensive, I'm going to harvest like a lot more, or I'm going to, you know, cut down a lot more trees. I'm going to mine a lot more stone and a lot less food because now I want to build up some walls or I want to build a castle or I want to like do something to help like turtle a bit. <laughs> yeah. It just kind of like switches your, your focus to your mode. Uh, at the yeah. Time and, it. and your villagers just like automatically switch what they're doing. It's like you could have like 20 farms and then you switch it up and it's like, cool. Now there's only five farms that are active. Those other farms are still there so that if you switch it back up, your villagers can just go straight back to harvesting those crops. But like you can, you can switch things up a lot more easily without having to micromanage your units. So nice. that's, I mean, the fact that there's like an auto build function at all, sounds like a breath of fresh air. That's awesome. Yeah. Like you still have to go and, you know, build, build all of your other buildings and all of your military units and like, and you know, you still have to like build and train your villagers, but it is nice to just like automate all your resource gathering and, you know, occasionally build a building to help facilitate that. But yeah, it's, it's super fun. It looks great. Um, it's Age of Empires. What's not to love? Whoa, um, I also uh, played Daytona USA on the Xbox Series X. So I know we talked about last episode, there were going to be games that were delisted. Daytona USA on the Xbox 360 was on the chopping block to be delisted. So I picked it up. And you know what? This is the definitive best way hands down to play Daytona USA that is not in the arcade. I had no idea. I had no idea or I would have owned this game sooner. This is the arcade version of the game where they've also added a few extra modes. They have a karaoke mode so that you can go do 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 Daytona like 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 there literally is a karaoke mode. You pick the songs, they put the words, even the di, 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 like all of that is on the screen. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's so silly. <laughs> so yeah, I spent an hour, maybe two, like not even two hours. I think getting all of the achievements for Daytona USA on the Xbox 360. Um, it's, it's an Xbox live arcade title. So it's like, you know, 200 gamer score it's it's not a whole lot of achievements to get but uh yeah it's it is the best way so technically left for dead was on the delisted list and i earlier today saw that it's still on the store so okay there might still be time it, it was supposed to go away like as of the 8th and again, we're, we're it's it's the tenth today, and one of the games that was supposed to be delisted is still there. Mm. So if you're interested, you like Daytona USA, this is the best way to play Daytona USA. Um, same thing with uh, Jet Set Radio, that was also on the chopping block to be delisted. I picked that up too because I I think we might play that someday. Who knows? Um, sure. 
Okay, so been playing those two games. I also have continued playing GoldenEye 007 on my Xbox. Um, just playing through the campaign, just kind of level here, level there. Not uh, not going at breakneck pace or anything, but I have, I think I only have three levels left, maybe. I, I just finished The Jungle, I think, is the most recent uh, level that I beat. I'm, I've been itching. I'm, I'm ready. I'm going to. I'm going to play it. Um, not looking forward to playing Statue again. <laughs> but it's not bad. I mean, so I remember getting lost in that a lot, but I've, since we played it for the show uh, just over a year ago, um, I still remember the things that I, that tripped me up about that level. So this time around, like I perfectly went everywhere. I was like, now I have this level memorized. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think I was definitely in a hurry when I was playing through it too. Cause that was one of the last levels I played through. And I was like, damn, <laughs> like this is a maze. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, so I did end up picking up Metroid prime remastered and played, maybe up to an hour of it so far. Um, but yeah, cause that just, that just released the other day, but I haven't, I haven't really played video games since that. Well, I guess that's a lie. I've played a little bit of the next game that we're going to be playing for the show earlier today. Um, but I'm not going to talk about that yet. And, uh, same similar kind of situation. I was like, what should we play? And I started like, I grabbed something from my Genesis and started playing Sonic the Hedgehog three and knuckles on the Sega Genesis, um, in the past couple days. And that was a contender because I was really like vibing to the, the soundtrack recently. And I was like looking for an excuse to talk about the soundtrack of the game because I love it. Um, but that also is not going to be the next episode. So <laughs> One day, one day. Um, yeah, I'm excited. That, that I'm, I really want to play those. But yeah, great game. Um, but that's all the stuff I've been playing. Like, I only played the first, like, two to three levels of Sonic 3. Again, just that hour of Metroid Prime Remastered. Only a few levels of GoldenEye. Um, yeah, just been, been doing music stuff. But anyway, what have you been playing? Nice. Yeah, so... Um, I had told you that I picked up uh, the Callisto Protocol yes. um, for PS5, and I was playing through it. Game of it, the year. And oh, so, <laughs> so I really like Dead Space. There's a reason why. I know that the reviews have been kind of mixed about this game. Um, so I went in with tempered expectations, but I really like Dead Space. Some of the creative talent, um, you know, went on to make this game. Um, all the pieces are there visually. I mean, and, and gameplay, you can see a lot of similarities to dead space. Um, you know, just for example, you know, in dead space, you have a telekinesis ability so you can pick things up and throw them and it's used for puzzle solving. And in this one, you have kind of a similar thing, but it's used, you can use it to grab enemies and throw them, which is, you know, it all sounds cool. Um, it's just that the, the problem with this game for me was like death by a thousand cuts. It's not just like one thing that really kills me. It's a lot of things. I'm going to name a couple of them. And again, not going to get into spoilers or anything in case you want to play it. And I don't like crapping on games, but I think I'm done playing this after <laughs> I spent. I don't I like I crapping on games, but you're ready to drop your pants. 
Yeah, I'm ready. I mean, it's happening because it's, um, I think I spent like seven hours last Saturday playing this game. I just like wanted to get through it really bad just to see the story, experience it. But I'm, you know, I'm at the point to where I just don't care anymore now. Yeah. But the, first of all, the combat, though there are guns in this game that you can use, the enemies don't seem to give you a chance to reload or even change weapons. So like you can kind of empty a clip and most of your guns, you know, only have, it's like a, it's like a shotgun. And I, I can't remember, um, like almost like in half-life or something where you get, you know, four or five shots off and then you have to reload, but the enemies are not, you're going to take damage if you try and reload. Um, and so, and, changing your weapon is a little clunky. You have to press right on the D pad and then up or down. And it doesn't tell you which gun, but it shows a diagram and some of the guns look kind of similar. So I don't know which ones I'm actually switching to. I'm just like, Oh great. Sure. This'll work. Whatever. (laughs) Like just keep shooting. Um, but it seems like the game really wants you to melee combat and it feels a little one note. It's really either dodge or block or swing back at okay. them. And you, you kind of unlock some combos to where you can combo them a little bit, but it feels like that's the most risky way to deal with enemies where guns feel much safer because most of the other enemies are ra- are not ranged. So I played on easy. It was still difficult at times, the amount of enemies they throw at you. And it doesn't really feel like the combat is any easier because the enemies can still kill you in a couple hits. Okay. <laughs> um, so anyway, combat, that's number one. Number two is okay. The checkpoints, they, they love to give you checkpoints right before you get to a shop. So if you, you know, outfit your guns and, and kind of like half-life Alex, every time you mod a gun, there's an animation that plays like something happens, but then if you go to the next room and die, you got to do it it all again, reset your checkpoint. You got to do it through the shop again. And you're like, Oh, there's a manual save feature. I'll just do my modifications this time. And then manual save. The manual save is just a manual duplicate of your last (laughs) checkpoint. (laughs) So there was one section where there's like a T intersection where you have to go, you know, you go to the shop, I outfit my weapons, I go to the left to collect something, and then I go to the right and then (laughs) pass the shop to the right. And that's where I kept dying. So I kept like doing this like figure eight over and over again that, oh, that almost broke me. Um, But then I got through it, uh, barely. (laughs) Um, And then there's sort of, Towards the last, okay, so there's a boss that they throw at you probably two thirds through the game. They recycle that same boss like three times, <laughs> and that's the only boss that's in the game, really. Like, <laughs> it just feels like it's they ran out of ideas and they're like, no, this has to be a full price AAA game, so we're going to stretch it. We're going to stretch it out to the end. Um, the performances are really good. I like the capture. I like uh, the character Jacob. I like um, this uh, companion, Danny, who's uh, like an actress from the boys that people really like. And she's great. It, it's just that it seems like every time I interact with her, my character, um, we talk for a little bit and then my character falls through a floor and then I'm off on my own for a while. Uh, like it happens like three times where you're like walking on a walkway and she walks first and then you walk over it and you fall. And it's like, what are the chances that that happens like three times? Apparently <laughs> the walkway 100%. was just strong enough. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so that's why I, I kind of want to push through and finish it, but also I don't care enough to where I could just watch someone on YouTube yeah, like finish it. That's fair. Then that would be good enough. So that was longer than I meant to talk on it. I just say, you know, even if you like Dead Space, I might just skip this one if I were if I were you. Um, but I got it on sale, and you know, it was like twenty bucks after I used some credit that I had. So I can't be too mad about it. Fair <laughs> enough. So um, the other thing I've been playing that's been a little far more interesting is uh, Return of the Oberdin. Uh, which I haven't told you a lot about because I wanted to talk a little bit about here. Yeah, it, so I, I saw something about it when it came out. It looks very interesting. It is a interesting sort of almost like visual novel. Yeah. Because um, basically your gameplay is uh, you're some sort of like insurance inspector and this is like colonial England times or something, you know, 1800s of some sort. And your job is to sort of assess the damage and find out what happened to this mysterious ship that disappeared and magically sort of resurfaced out of nowhere, just came back. And you, um, given by this unknown party, you're given this uh, stopwatch that lets you relive um, the moment that somebody dies when you find their body. And at first there's only like one corpse, but then as you view that one, like more cops, corpses unlock and they unlock more parts of the ship. Okay. And they sort of open up. So your job is to identify everybody, how they died and who or what killed them. Colonel Um, Mustard (laughs) with the candlestick (laughs) in the library. It's kind of like that. Yeah, exactly. And um, so you the game doesn't really explain anything to you. You're not given any information on who is what you just sort of have to use deduction. Like you could say, it's like, Oh, that person mentioned something about their husband. They must have the same last name. So you look in the the ship manifest and you see all the names and you can say, okay, this person must be these two people, you know? Um, or you'll see something very like nonchalant, like I'm going to switch up the roles and everything. So it doesn't spoil anything for anybody, but it's like that person happens to have, uh, uh, I don't know. He's holding a musical triangle. He must be the ship's musician, (laughs) you know, like, and it's in a scene where someone else died over there, but you turn around and this person's holding a triangle or something. <laughs> like you're like, huh? I'm like, do we have any musicians aboard? Oh, there's three of them. Okay. So there's an unknown musician. <laughs> We're just going to put that there. Um, so there's this whole sort of story and this sort of terrible things happen to the ship. Um, and it's really hard. It takes, you have to spend a lot of time and they've got some unique features, uh, because you can sort of like, you can take any character that you find and you could say, okay, bookmark all the spots that this person appears. Cause you're given these memories and they're completely out of order. The first one you see is like the last memory, like the last few people on the ship. And you know, it's the end because the chapter is called the end. Gotcha. <laughs> and then, but slowly you're working backwards, but you're also working forwards and then way back and they're all given out of order. But as you go in the game, you can sort of, display them in any order you like. You can watch them in reverse order or watch them in forward order, whatever works best for okay. you. Um, 
And the game sort of helps you out because it has like uh, big portraits of everybody. And it'll say like, you know, all their portraits are kind of blurry, but their portraits will get clearer if you have enough information to identify them. So if someone's picture becomes clear, you're kind of like, okay, I need to, I can focus on this person um, and figure out who they are. So you can't really get the true ending unless you figure everything out. And it's kind of like this, you know, ball of yarn. If you watched like a solution on YouTube where they just, or a list of who everybody is, um, the game would be sort of ruined. Yeah. The experience is gone. Yeah. Like <laughs> you, you filled it out, you see the ending, which is kind of where I'm at right now. I don't, I don't know if, cause I've, I've sort of got to the ending. I didn't finish it because I felt like I hit a wall, but I'm now days later thinking about it. I'm like, Oh, I didn't check that. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of haunting me. So I might, I might go back cool. and check that out. Well, that sounds really interesting. Um, yeah. Um, last thing I've been playing, I'm going to switch it up because I, I have been playing a little bit of city skylines on my steam deck, but not a lot. Okay. Um, so I just kind of wanted to see how it runs and I was having fun with it, but that game doesn't, I, I, I want to be creative and come up with weird solutions, like make towns that, you know, you have to use bicycles in only, or, Ooh. or you have to travel around with boats, but the, the game was kind of mean. It will, it will make you fail if you're not <laughs> careful. So, um, you kind of feel like, okay, cars are a nest. It, it, you have to like, okay, pollution's a necessary evil. I mean, I used all green energy, but I still need somewhere to put my garbage. So <laughs> it makes you make some tough decisions basically. Okay. So kind of like SimCity, but it, again, I, I wanted to be a little bit more creative That's about it. But See, I, I've never, I've never played a game like that and tried to focus on like public transit and, or, well, I mean, I yeah. don't even know if biking is an option in like some of the mm-hmm. games that I've played, but like, that's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. There's, I mean, some of them, unfortunately you have to purchase ex- expansion packs. Like, uh, there's one that I saw that's called pedestrian pathways. So if you want like specific pedestrian only paths, okay. you have to purchase this pack, but, um, but yeah, I mean, there's buses and things like that, but the game wants you to work up, like start with buses, then get a subway system and then do a train system. So, um, where I kind of want to go out of order and, um, we're like, no, you kinda have let's to start learn. with the train system straight away. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Train and exactly. subway. So, let's do it. Um, so I, I'm going to put this down here cause we talked about it enough anyway, but, uh, the last thing I've been playing is, um, steam, uh, sorry, Minecraft on the steam deck. And I got the Java edition running on there, which is pretty much the preferred way to play. I guess if you're on a Linux platform like that, like Java is really your option. Um, I did see some ways of getting uh, bedrock running on there, but I thought that was, I was pretty impressed that I started up, um, you know, Minecraft Java, which doesn't have any controller support out of the box. It's a mouse and keyboard experience. I was able to tell the steam deck that, Hey, yeah, adapt the uh, WASD to the joystick, like use one of the presets for like mouse and WASD. And I was more or less able to play Minecraft with no, no issue, like no configuration of the controls. So, um, it was drawing a lot of power when I was hosting a world on the steam deck where it was like building out chunks and things like that. But, uh, joining some, uh, a streamer friend and some people I've met through Twitch on there, joining on a server, like a Minecraft realm, 
I was drawing very little power gotcha. because that makes sense. <laughs> it's not really doing yeah. the work. The server is, you you're know, just, I'm just there. You're, you're just telling the server what you're doing. Yeah, exactly. So that was a fun experience. I mean, I wasn't as efficient as I would be on mouse and keyboard, but it was pretty playable if I was just like, you know, building something or making food or something like that's that. That's cool. You know? So that's everything that at least that I can remember I've been playing. I feel like I've been playing more, but I think I just played too much Callisto protocol. I think that's what the issue was. So I know as I was like looking back, I was like, I feel like I've played more than this maybe, but not really like, and mm-hmm. two of these things I played for under an hour. So yeah. Yeah. Well, we got anything else? I mean, I know we need to tell folks what we're, what we're playing next, but anything else before that? Uh, no, I don't think so. I'm really excited about uh, what we've picked here, and I'm as am I. Almost eager to go play some more if I wasn't. So yeah. Tired. <laughs> so I I was having a heck of a time trying to pick what we should play next, and I like over the past like four or five days I was like, okay, it's gonna be this game. I'm like, no, no, it's gonna be this. Wait, no, it should be this. Uh, ultimately. <laughs> Like none of them I felt super satisfied with, even though they're all games that I, I would love to cover at some point. Um, but all that being said, I landed on Stubbs the Zombie in Rebel Without a Pulse for the original Xbox. Everyone's like, what is that game? Like, <laughs> What are you talking about? Master yes. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a zombie game where you are the zombie. And it's a, it's a pretty like comedic game. And again, I can't even remember, like, I do not remember what led me. Oh, never mind. I do remember what led me to the game. I explained it to you. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I was like, still in my quest to find the game, I found Polygon's list of their top 500 video games of all time. This was somewhere in the 300s. I can't believe it was in the list of 500. Not that it's a bad game. It's just like I would think that there would be 500 like smash hit quality games <laughs> above it. But Well, and again, this was somewhere in the three, like I think the low 300s is where this, uh-huh. this ended up ranking in on their list. And when I saw it, I was like, oh yeah, I always wanted to play through that game and I never have. Cause you know, I like zombie games and this is the first one that like straight up, you are the zombie. And, uh, you know, it, 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 one of its selling points is it was made in the halo engine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yes. And I, you know, I, I honestly, I, yeah, I, I feel like the game could be a ha- considered a Halo mod um, <laughs> in a way, but we'll talk about that next time. But yeah, so I, I saw that and it was like, you know what? It's time. It is time to finally play through Stubbs the Zombie. So I'm excited. I played a little bit of early, a little bit of it earlier today. It's goofy. It doesn't take itself seriously. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, so far, so far I'm, I'm enjoying what little I've played. So we'll see if those impression or we'll see if that sticks throughout the rest of the game. Uh, when you guys hopefully join us next time. So you got anything else? Yeah. I just wanted to say, you know, if you if a listener, if you guys want to 
play the game also. This game is on a ton of platforms now. Yeah. Like pretty much all modern platforms. Um, I think it's, if it's downloadable and assuming not a physical copy on Switch, I think it's like 20 bucks. So yeah, it's, yeah, it's on the Switch. It's on PlayStation. It's on Xbox. It's on PC. Um, it's everywhere. It bas- it's still like, it basically just looks like the up version of the original Xbox game and in widescreen. So they didn't do a whole lot to it, but, um, but yeah, it's fun so far. Looking forward to eating more brains and, uh, letting you all know what I think in a couple weeks. I think that's all I got. That's all I got. All right. Well, let's get the heck out of here. So, hey, everybody, thanks so much for listening to the show. We know there are a lot of podcast options out there, and we appreciate you taking the time to put our words in your ears. It really does mean a lot. You can also check out our website at www.retrogametimemachine.com, and you can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Good Pods, and probably every other podcasting app out there. Uh, you can join us on Discord, you can follow us on Instagram, and you can support us on Patreon. Come join us next time when we talk about Stubbs the Zombie. May your video games be fun, and bye for now. See you.